Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Oh, wow. So we have questions on the table. Are we a saint or a sinner? You think that's what we are, right? Saints? Maybe we're making, making some progress here, aren't we? Are we a saint or a sinner? Yes, we're saints. I didn't call you that. Jesus did. The Bible tells you that. The, the, the breathed word of God that's inerrant, that's perfect in its original manuscripts, you know? Like God breathed that word over you. He's the one that called you saints, right? And the word kind of tells us like, like, like the devil ain't going to try to do whatever he wants, but it's Jesus who justified you. Like go back and talk to him about it. I don't have to be good and earn it and try to do all that stuff. I don't have to try to figure out how to justify it or like the enemy comes with condemning, railing judgments. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, just go talk to Jesus. He's the one that did it. He's the one that called me a saint. I didn't do it. I don't have, you know, like I don't have to strive in that. Like he, he did it. He, he already, he paid for me before, before the foundations of the world. Go talk to him. It's his problem, not mine. Take it up with him. I don't have anything to do with it. I didn't choose, you know, I didn't choose sainthood. He did. He chose it for me. I partnered with his declaration, but I didn't get to choose it. That was something that he declared over me. The other question we've been wrestling with is, did anything happen? Has anything changed since we've been justified? That's the question. You know, justification, right? It's more than just an acquittal, more than just being let off of my punishment, you know? But, but Jesus actually released transformation to us. It, he more than just simply took my, my penalty. He removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. He made me just as if I had never sinned. That's a huge deal because it impacts the core of my identity and who I am. Thus, the question, am I a saint or a sinner? I'm not a sinner because he justified me making me just as if I haven't sinned. Are we alive today? We started in Romans chapter 3. We learned there that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, That all have sinned is the sense in which we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark of God's perfection. We define the glory of God by uh, the story of Moses, where the goodness of God was was put on display before Moses. Right, and so we've fallen short of the mark of of the mark of the God. Hmm, what I say of the mark of His perfection is that I'm not saying that right. We have is that I say that right? We know that we did that. We have sinned. That's the word I was looking for. I'm getting myself crossed up. We've sinned. We've we've missed the mark of God's perfection. I'll get it right eventually. It just has to all, you know. It's like. What's that? Oh, Tetris. Sometimes the pieces come down and get in the wrong spot. And you have to just, you know how you like quickly move them? And then they're like, oh, I saved that one. Sometimes that's my brain. I just have to quickly move it at the last minute, get it right in the right place, you know? You know, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So the, 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 the manifestation of God's goodness in our life, we've fallen short of that, all of us. We learned this out of Romans 3. We just talked about justification out of Romans 3. We've been transformed. We've been restored. He's changed my identity. In Romans chapter 4, we talked about how uh, all of this is apprehended by faith. You know, everything that Jesus Christ did, it's apprehended by faith. What's faith? It's me believing that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, and that I am who he says I am. 
Right? We apprehend it all by faith. And, and, and after the fact, like after I've apprehended it, then I don't have to try to prove that his decision was a good one. Like I don't have to strive to prove my worth and my value because he already said that. Before I ever lifted a finger, before I ever performed, before I ever was good or bad, Jesus already set my price, and that price was priceless. I am his priceless work of art that he's very, very proud of, and that he spent his entire life, fortune, and inheritance to, to win, to, to, to buy, to purchase, to redeem, right? And so are you. That's who we are. We apprehend it by faith. Jesus, we believe it. Jesus, we receive the finished work. We receive it into ourselves. We allow it to come and to bring transformation to us. And then in Romans chapter 5, we learned that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. There is no more. We, don't, we no longer have enmity between God and us. We're not his enemy any longer. We've been reconciled to him in the place of, of relationship. The Bible in, in Romans 5 says, What's more, if we've been reconciled in his death, how much more will we be sozoed in his life? Remember that bit? How much more will we be sozoed in his life? What's our definition of sozo? Saved, healed, delivered, that's good. To be made whole. It talks about to be made whole. It's the word for salvation. It's used 120 times in the New Testament. All of the other forms, there are two additional, soterio, soteria, something of that nature. They are all actually rooted in this word sozo, to be made whole. And a human being is made up of how many parts? Three parts. Can you be made whole if God only addressed one of them? No. So he addressed all of them, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, he reconciled you, spirit to spirit, connecting you back in relationship. Body, we are passionate about seeing Jesus touch and heal people and restore them in their body. Did you know that just a couple of weeks ago, right here in this place, that we had a person with cancer get completely healed? You know? How many of you know Jesus did something that day on the cross and subsequently in his resurrection that we get to tap into today? We're passionate about seeing him touch people's bodies physically and we get to access that because he paid a price for it. And I want him to get everything that he's paid for. And then the soul realm, how many of you know Jesus didn't leave you where he found you? You don't have to live in those addictions. You don't have to be stuck with your issues that came from your mama, you know, from your daddy, your daddy wounds. You don't have to be stuck with your poverty mentalities. You don't have to be stuck with your brokenness and the baggage that you brought into the kingdom. You need to take back across the line and give it back because he paid a price for you to be set free because it was for freedom that he set you free. It was for freedom that he set you free. No longer to be captive and bound up by all that stuff that you were bound up before the cross. He paid a price with his own body and his own blood to release to you resurrection life over your soul so that the stuff that you've been mentally tormented, the depression, the issue, the anxiety, the fear, that all of it would go away in the name of Jesus. He's given the power. He's given the authority. He's released the breakthrough. He did not leave you to struggle your entire life, to strive towards being a better person only to continually fail until you finally graduate to heaven. That's not what he did. He paid a price that you would have victory, full victory. In fact, the Bible says 
that Jesus gave us everything that we need for life and for godliness. For life and for godliness. We, we get tripped up a little bit. We're like, well, yeah, I get the life thing. You know, God's going to give me everything that I need. That's right. He's going to take care of all your needs. Uh, but when he talked about everything that you need for life, he actually framed it in another scripture with, and I've come to give you life in abundance. Is abundance just enough, or is it like a lot more than that? Yeah. In fact, in the original language, it's exceedingly abundantly beyond. It's, it's, it's incomprehensible to you, the, the, the type of of life that the Lord wants to release to you more than wants to pay a price to actually give to you. He has given everything that you need for life and for godliness. What is godliness? Do we remember? We don't remember. Godliness means I get to be like him. Sounds simple now that I say it, right? You're like, why didn't I get that? Yeah, godliness. What does it mean to be godly? It means I get to be like him. You know that Jesus gave you everything that you need? You have everything that you need right now. Regardless of where you started, you have everything that you need right now. He's released empowerment to you today to live like him, to be like him, to look like him. In fact, listen to this scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, As he is, so also are we in this world. As he is, so also are we in this world. Jesus released his ministry to you. When, when, have, you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why Jesus, when he went around, and he, like he'd go into a town, he'd heal that guy, and then he'd walk away and go somewhere else, and you're like, whoa, hey, hey whoa, there's like a whole bunch of people there that need healed. Because he knew that he was going to go to the Father and send the Holy Spirit to you to, start, to finish where he started. That's why. Because you get to complete what he began and you get to do it just like he did because as he is, so are we in this world. Come on, that's a big, that's a big, you, gotta, you know what, you're not alive enough. Give me a shot. That's so good. That's, <laughs> that's so good. I want you to think about it in a different way. We're not just ambassadors of heaven, though certainly that's true. What's an ambassador? Somebody who is released with delegated authority to represent another world, in this case, his kingdom, another kingdom. So we're coming as ambassadors, that's true. We have authority given to us by God to represent him. He's actually given us power to walk in so that we can demonstrate his kingdom and rewrite the script in this kingdom of the world, right? We are ambassadors, there's no question, but we are more than ambassadors. We're sons and daughters, Boy, that takes it to a whole new level. That takes it to a whole new level. And it reminds me of Jesus talking about what a good shepherd is. He says, a good shepherd is not a hireling. What's he saying? He says, the hireling comes, and, then, and when the wolf comes in, the hireling's like, I'm out, man. I don't get paid enough for this stuff. Right? And, and I kind of feel like, like that, that, that could be the difference between the ambassador and sonship. On the, on the ambassador side, you're like, it's getting really hard, and I'm not seeing the results I was promised, and man, I've been pressing into this for a long time, and I'm getting kind of tired and, and weary. I think I might give up, but a son? Well, a son doesn't have the option because, you know, you're, you're in the family. You, it's not like, you can't, I mean, I guess you could try to say you're not in the family anymore, but it's in your blood. <laughs> you still look like your daddy. And here's the deal. 
I'm going to trust my son more than I trust an ambassador. Because there's nobody like my son, that no one can represent me like my son. And Josiah came up to us last night. We had a gathering of our Destiny Group staff. And I, I couldn't be more proud of the boy myself. As he's now seven years old and becoming a full man, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't have a beard by this time tomorrow, actually. He, he comes down upset. We just had the house all clean. Everybody's made it all dirty. We said, oh, no, it's okay, man. We're good. It's fine. No, it's all good. That, we expected that. We're going we're gonna to get cleaned up. I know, but, but the house was clean. And, like, that's not fair. And I'm like, you're such a man after my own heart. Like, you are becoming your daddy. I'm so proud of you. I'm like, you're gonna, your wife is going to be so happy that you are this kid. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, just anyway. So you are becoming like your daddy. You are a son and you're a daughter. <laughs> You are a son and a daughter, not just an ambassador. Now, where am I? Yes, thank you, Jesus. Remember last week we talked about that we have become partakers of his divine nature. Partakers of his divine nature. That he's actually sharing it with us. He's imparting it to us. We now actually get to take on his God nature. That's so significant because when you were born again, it means he's actually re, he rewrote your code. He, he reprogrammed your DNA so that you would become just like your daddy. Your DNA puts you on a track, and it's inevitable. That's who you're going to become. You're going to become like your daddy. You better hope you like his nose because you're going to get it. You're going to become just like your daddy. It's inevitable, and Jesus uses absolutely everything in your life to make sure that you're going to get there. (laughs) So you better like it, because that's where you're headed. You have that DNA track that binds you into becoming just like him. That brings us up to Romans chapter 6. How many of you absolutely love Romans chapter 6? I knew I'd have this one. I got another one. Come on. All right. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible for some of what we're going to touch on today. The Apostle Paul, he opens up actually with, with a question. He's, he's addressing a question that came up in, in chapter 5 at the conclusion of chapter 5. And, and the question was kind of this. He says, if, if, if grace is available and you pour out more grace when sin increases... Well, why don't we all just sin more? Now, can I just submit to you that it was a really stupid premise that they were even thinking like that at all was just completely backwards and 100% world. This is a worldly mindset right here. And the Apostle Paul begins to address it. I wanted to at least preface with that so that you understood where we were going. Verse 2, he says, May it never be! What he really wanted to say is, You bunch of idiots! What were you thinking? But he was too nice for that. You all right? Okay, because there for a second, it seemed like maybe you checked out and you fell off the wagon a little bit. May it never be! How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Man, that's profound. He just, he just brought us to an entirely new level of thinking. Do you know that you, when you were born again, that you died to sin? Think about this with me. When you were born again, 
You died to sin. It's interesting to me that it doesn't say that sin died to you. But that you died to sin. Why do I make that distinction? Because he didn't come into the world and and remove your free will. How many of you know that you still have free will? And some days we like it and some days we just prefer to be robots. Am I the only one? I'm like, just reprogram me, make me do it all according to your perfect will so that I don't screw up ever again, right? But that's not how he, that's not how he designed this thing. So we, we, we still have free will. He didn't take my free will just because I got saved. And then the other thing he didn't do was he didn't extract sin or the possibility of choosing sin from the world. So you still have free will and you still have this, uh, you have access to sin, it's, a, it's available. You can, you can still choose it. You can still wrestle with it. He didn't take those things away. So what did he do? He shifted something on the inside of you. Something on the inside of you actually was transformed. In computer language, he rewrote your code. He rewrote your code. See, listen, it says that something on the inside of you died. Something that was inherent to humanity, that was normal, when you were born again, when you said yes to the master, something on the inside of you actually died. He took advantage of this moment of time to actually rewrite your code because that something that was inside of you was prone to sin. It was chained to it. In fact, a little later we'll find it, say that you, were a, that you were a slave to it. That thing on the inside of you which housed this place that was prone to sin, that was prone to denying God, that was prone to serving your own flesh, your own comforts, your own needs, that thing that was prone to denying Christ and running the opposite way and being God of your own life, this Bible says that that thing died when you said yes to Jesus. That thing that's on the inside of you died and he reprogrammed you to no longer be prone to sin but to be prone to righteousness. And we'll see that as we continue. How many of you know this isn't some kind of ethereal idea? This really happened. And I think sometimes this is the disconnect that, we've, that, we, that we have. We, we look at this and we're like, boy, isn't that, isn't that neat idea what he did there? Isn't that neat what the scripture says? But it's not really true because I still have struggles. It couldn't possibly be really true. Now, this isn't some intangible idea. This really happened. Something on the inside of you really died. It's not there any longer. Now, I want you to ponder this. The Apostle Paul, he's going to take the rest of the chapter to describe what that thing was. What died? What happened when you got saved? But until we get there, I want you to ponder this question. Like, what does it mean for something to die? It's dead. Is it coming back? It's not coming back. It'll never be the same again. It's turning into dirt. Whatever that thing is. Dust to dust. Whatever it is, all the way from the smallest of plants and organisms all the way up to the masterful creation that you and I are, when it dies, it's transformed into something else and it is not coming back. Now that's a painful reality that was brought on the earth because of sin, but it is the reality that we have. 
This says something died in you. What does that mean? It means it's not coming back. Okay, we can't minimize this. And we're going to excavate what it was that died. But, but you, you have to keep that in your heart and in your mind because, because people, when they read these scriptures, they, they look through it and they go, well, yeah, but it didn't really because. And then they justify it and make up some kind of theology. This says something on the inside of me that was tied to my original humanity died. What happens to things when they die? They go away and they never come back. They're not going to be resurrected. They're gone. All right, let's continue. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. The apostle Paul begins to... Uh, really talk to our salvation and what happened in this. Listen to this. He says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory... Excuse me, did I say that wrong? Let's read it again. Verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Keep that in mind. He's called us to walk in newness of life. He's not suggesting that you have to be baptized, water baptized, to be saved. Okay, sometimes people run off and create a doctrine like that. The guy who was on the cross next to Jesus, the thief, who cries out to him, Jesus says over him, this day you'll see me in paradise, right? Did he get water baptized? No, he did not. Okay, water baptized doesn't save you, but water baptism is this uh, prophetic declaration of this internal transformation and this supernatural uh, encounter that you're having with God, whereby something on the inside of you is identifying with the death of Christ. When Jesus Christ died and was buried, I was buried with him. How many of you know God is not inhibited by time and space? Jesus was slain for me before the foundation of the planet. I didn't even exist yet for many, many years to come. Right? He's not inhibited by time and space. So when Jesus died, when I, by faith, we apprehend it by faith, that's Romans chapter 4, when I apprehend it by faith and I say, yes, Lord, this is the, I believe you are who you say you are, that you did what you said you did, and that I am who you say that I am. I'm apprehending it by faith. I actually die with him. I'm buried with him in baptism, but I'm also raised again to newness of life, to walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, do you remember our previous scripture? As he is, so are we in this world. Here he is saying it again. For if we've become united with him in his death, surely we'll also be United with him in the likeness of his resurrection. How many of you know Jesus was pretty awesome in his resurrected state? As he is, so am I in this world. And then he begins to describe this process uh, more specifically what actually died. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now you know why I love this chapter so much. Hmm. 
Something died on the inside of you the day that you said yes. What happens to things when they die? They go away and they don't come back. Something died on the inside of you that day, and it's not coming back. Here he says, he describes what it is. He says, it was the old self, that when I said yes to Jesus, my old self was actually buried with Christ. It says buried with him in baptism. Baptism is the prophetic declaration of what's happening in the spirit. I'm dying with Christ. What died? My old self died. What's the old self? What is that then? my sin nature. The human nature that I was born with, which was attached to Adam and Adam's sin, which caused me to have corrupted programming such that I was actually prone to sin as a human being. It says here that this part of me died with Christ. When you said yes to him, the old man, the old nature, the old DNA that was attached to Adam, his first sin that rewrote your programming and caused you to be prone to sin, died with Christ. What happens to things when they die? It goes away and it doesn't come back. You see why that's so important? Well, did he really do that? It says he did. Let's make up a theology that lessens the impact of that. You know, that's what we always do. I prayed for Paul, and Paul didn't get healed. God must be sovereignly using this to sharpen your character. Yet we find that nowhere in Scripture. See, we always make up theology because we can't palate the truth of what he says, and we can't quite muster the faith to partner with the truth of what it's saying because it seems too big. It seems too grandiose. Did he really really die to give me life in abundance? (laughs) Well, you know, I think we're probably blowing that one out of proportion a little bit. We couldn't possibly be standing in faith for an abundant life. So we make up a theology that says God will only give us what we need. See, we do this all over the place in Christianity. What happens to something when it dies? It goes away. It doesn't come back. It's not to be resurrected. It can't be resurrected. It's dead. Something died in you that day. That something was your old self. What is the old self? Your old nature. Your human nature that had been corrupted because of sin died. It is gone. You're not wrestling with it. So stop. (laughs) You're not wrestling with your old nature. I mean, I guess you could go try to open the grave, but if you've been saved as long as I have, that thing's already dust and dirt. I guess you could put the dirt back on you, but that'd be really dumb and gross. You hearing this? This is so profound, so powerful. You died that day so that you would no longer be slaves to sin. For one who has died is freed from sin. I want you to say that. I am freed from sin. But do you believe it? We're freed from sin. What does a slave do? Whatever the master tells him to do. 
When you died with Christ, you were released from your slavery. What does that mean? I no longer have to obey the dictates of sin and lust. I don't have to. Man, you got to get that. Because some of you in here and some of you at home, you still believe that you're bound by this stuff and that you have no power. You have no authority. Jesus has just left you to figure it out, to squander and to continue in your sin. That's not the word. That's not what it says. He died to free you from your slavery because he who has died is freed from sin, freed from those shackles, freed from you know, being commanded by its dictates and He's, he's never taken your free will from you. But when Adam sinned, it corrupted your DNA and made it to where it was like, I, I could do good today, but I will always fall off the wagon. Like You just could never quite ever be righteous. You couldn't quite ever grasp it. Even if you decided on the inside of you that you wanted to, you just couldn't. And all of that was buried with Christ. And he's now empowered you to walk in a new way, completely freed from the old man and all of its corruption. And now we live in a place where he says over you, that every temptation that you will face from the point that you say yes to the point that you graduate to heaven, that every temptation that comes your way, he will and is and, and is providing a way of escape for you. What does that mean? It means you don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to partner with it anymore. You don't have to obey its lusts. You actually have authority on the inside of you to say no. Have you ever said no to a sin? Have you ever been victorious over a single sin that maybe beset you and you've graduated to the other side of it in victory and it's no longer an issue? Anybody have that? Right? All of you should have that. Right? If you were able to do that with one sin issue, you can do that with all of those sin issues. Why? Because you're no longer a slave. Because you no longer have shackles. Because you're no longer bound by those dictates. You no longer have to follow that. Is this making sense? This is so profoundly powerful because it flies in the face of the doctrine that we've made up because this seems too incomprehensibly large for our little finite brains. What do sinners do? Sinner's going to sin. Somebody needs to make up a thing on that. John Mark, you're the creative one. Let you do that. Sinner's going to sin. What do saints do? <laughs> All right, I like that. I like that. Charles says the opposite. That's <laughs> probably pretty safe. But yeah, sinners sin. Saints do right things before God. What do we call that? Righteousness. Righteousness. Sinners going to sin. Saints going to be righteous. Right? You have a new DNA track. If you apprehend it at Romans 4 by faith, it's an inevitability. You can't fight it. 
You're going to be like your daddy. He rewrote your programming. So stop embracing the sin and step into the empowerment that he died to release to you and become like your daddy. It's happening whether you want it or not. But I tell you, I want to be as close as I could possibly get when I take my last breath. I, I don't want to just be mm, a little notch closer. I want to be as close as I can get. How many of you are with me? I want to devote my life to this. You paid with your life for me so that I would no longer be a slave? Then how could I submit myself back under that? How could I do that? Can you just imagine for a second how much it must hurt his heart for Christians to believe that they're bound and to walk in slavery when he gave his life to free you from that? I, for one, want him to get what he paid for. I want him to get everything he paid for. When he rewrote your code, he no longer... He not only freed you to walk with him, he freed you to be like him, to walk like him. First John chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, The one who says he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked. Guess what? If the Bible says that you ought to walk like Jesus, then in that is inherent with the power and the grace for you to be able to walk like Jesus. You'll never find a command or a declaration in Scripture that there's not power to back up. Jesus is never the one to dangle a carrot out in front of you. Like, just keep going. I'm just trying to motivate you with really good stuff. That's just a lie. He's not a man that he should lie. He's empowered you to walk just as he walked. That means you get to be righteous. You are literally the righteousness of Christ on display and Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 calls this newness of life. Now remember from our first Peter discussion that he released to you, imparted to you the divine nature, his nature, the nature of God. That's what he's giving you in exchange. When you die and your nature dies, he's giving you his nature in exchange. You have become partakers of the divine nature. Nature, you have a new DNA track. You are now prone to righteousness. The issue that we find and the reason that we continue to rewrite theology is because even though this is true, so many of us still have this quandary on the inside of us whereby we say, then if I have a new nature, why do I continue to struggle with sin? But remember what I said. Just because you have a new nature, it doesn't mean he ever took your free will. And he never removed the possibility of sin from the earth. So you still have the possibility to sin with your free will, i.e., that's still a wrestling match that's available to you in the earth. It, it, it doesn't actually have much to do with your nature except that your new nature is actually prone to say yes to God. And your old nature was prone to say no to him and run the other way. Think about it like this. Adam and Eve, if you ever want to know God's intent for you, just go back to Adam and Eve. Why do I say that? They were the original uncorrupted man and woman, right? Did Adam and Eve, were they born with a sin nature? No, they were not. Well, that's strange because they fell into sin. How would one who doesn't have a sin nature fall into sin? 
because he never took their free will. And because there was this tree over there, and on the tree was the commandment, don't eat that fruit. He never removed the possibility. The possibility was always there. See, the choice to choose sin while your nature has something to do with it, it doesn't eliminate it. The reason you're still struggling with sin is because sin is available to struggle. You just need to know who you are. <laughs> Remember that scripture we read? The, the, the one who, who doesn't become a doer, like you, you've, just, you've forgotten who you are. You just need to be reminded. And maybe some of you, you maybe you're hearing this word for the very first time. You're like, wait a second, I, like, I can be free of that stuff? I don't have to continue to, to partner with that? Or you know, those things that were spoken over me as a child, I don't have to live that out in my life? No, be free. You're free to choose a different behavior and your DNA dictates that you have power to do it and to be consistent with that. You have to begin to step into it. it he's, he hasn't taken your free will from you. He hasn't taken away the possibility to sin, but he's empowered you so that you don't have to. He's rewritten your inner code, your old code, your whole system. It was corrupted, and he literally rewrote the code and rebooted your system. And when you came back to life, you were something different. You were prone to different behaviors. The, your, the code on the inside of you that dictated your natural propensities had been changed, but it was rewritten by the Creator. And the new code is that you would be prone to righteousness. Not that He took away sin and, and now you're slaves. In the sense, uh, robots, we'll go back to that analogy. But that He empowered you to walk in a new way in the face of of sin. Is this making sense? That's the reason that we still have trouble. Listen, you're not fighting your old man. What happens to things when they die? They go away and they don't come back. Your fight's not with your old nature. What's nature? A certain preset propensity to do a certain instructed thing. You're not wrestling with your programming anymore. You're simply wrestling with sin. Do you see the difference? We'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. I think I may have John Mark come back and speak to it as well. Anybody happy about that? Yeah. And Pastor Misty may get a shot at it as well because I really like her. She's kind of hot. <laughs> I was told recently that apparently all pastors from, for all of the last 30 years across all of America at some point have said that their wife is smoking hot. I thought I was unique. Apparently, pastors all just marry hot women. I understand. We're pretty amazing. So, Jesus, wow, thank you for what you did for us. Holy smokes. Man. You didn't leave us to, to squander, to, you know, to, to squirm and strive to try to, to just figure out life. You have empowered us. commissioned us. You modeled it to us the way that you walked. You've empowered us to walk in the same way. Jesus, we break agreements this morning with any lie that we've believed that we were still a slave or bound by our sin or necessarily impacted negatively by our upbringing. We break our agreements with those things in Jesus' name. 
And we embrace the reality that you have empowered me. More than that, you have rewritten my code with a brand new preset towards righteousness. You've given me a DNA track and you are relentless at sharpening me into the likeness of my daddy. We yield to that track this morning. No longer resisting you, no longer buying into the lie that we can't change. We receive your grace, your empowerment to walk in a new way, to be a new person, to be a new way. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.